You're listening to Tech Nest, the PropTech Podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. Construction tech. We don't talk about it a whole lot. Whether it's the systems that support the business, automation of ordering, supplies, payments, you know, uh, even project management. We've gotten into it a few times on the show. And so I'm excited about the interview that just finished up with Adam Stark. He's co-founder of a company called JetBuild. That's Jet.Build. As they describe it, one platform for collaborative communications, data reporting, construction workflows, and project financials. So if you kind of think about it from this perspective, right, you know, a lot of companies uh, in the construction space either haven't gone full digital transformation or have gone partly. And even if they've partially gone down that route, they might have a, a sales force for CRM and maybe the marketing department is using HubSpot and they've got you know all these different platforms and whether or not they're integrated and connected is one thing, but how do they communicate with vendors? How do they communicate and streamline the you know processes that are required from maybe the architect and the lender and you know there's insurances and, and all that and bring it into, under one house and that's what JetBuild is doing. By no means is this a small task in what Adam and his co-founder are pursuing. But the opportunity in helping digitally transform the businesses that are leading in construction and development is quite tremendous. He breaks it all down for us. Let's jump in, hear what he has to say. Hey, Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Nate. Really, really excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you joining the show. Now, I know before we jumped on to record here, I was doing a little screen share showing you all the the wonders of the Black Hills, but I see right behind you in your office, there's a, it looks like a big mountain on that uh, picture or poster. Where, Where is that? Uh, so it's a it's a fjord in Norway, uh, so it's pretty north. Uh, so basically, you fly into uh, this this town called Tromso, uh, which is in Norway. Then you have to take a ferry up to these fjord. So it's like a fjord region. Uh, and that's where that's where that picture is from. It, did you take that photo, or is that uh, just a office yeah. decor? That okay. No, well, that's that, my, I mean, my photo. <laughs> that looks incredible. Uh, that does Thank give you. the the Black Hills a little bit of a competition here from a purely scenic <laughs> no way, but you know what? You can't drive from the U.S. to to Norway, so you might as well make your way to the Midwest. Well, I'm excited for our conversation here. I think we're probably going to talk a little bit um, about some stuff that we haven't really delved into a whole lot, and I think maybe there's something that isn't talked about a lot in prop tech in general. And so, but I think the way to get started here is as we always do. Adam, please go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Uh, So I'm Adam Stark, co-founder of JetBuild. What we do is we are a real estate developer, general contractor, 
or real estate operators cloud-based command center. Uh, so what that means is from inception of a project all the way to completion of construction. And then if you are a property owner, asset manager, et cetera, you could also leverage that data that has been gone through the product through Jetbuild for asset management purposes as well. That th there's no shortage of things in there. There's a, there's a lot. So yeah. let me, just, let me, let's, let's see if we can from the, as high level as possible, if you can summarize sure. the one problem that Jetbuild solves for, what is that? Absolutely. So if anyone could imagine, or really if anyone's familiar with the construction process, right? So whether that's you're remodeling your bathroom or you're building an 80 floor uh, property, people typically understand that there's issues with scheduling, issues with budget. Reason being, there's lots of logistics behind building anything, a lot of coordination between different companies, whether that's, you know, your bathroom and you're purchasing materials from several different areas, then it has to be coordinated with your plumber, et cetera. So if you could imagine building a high rise property, you have a stack of papers, which is architectural engineering, essentially design plans that you have to mm -hmm. create a building from. And in that process, you have different buckets of companies. So you'll have your contracting teams. That's a whole bunch of companies, right? So plumbers, engineers, demolition team, uh, et cetera. Then you have your design team, another bucket of companies. So architect, uh, engineering team, et cetera. Then on the uh, developer side, that's another company. And you have your lenders, typically another bucket of company, city inspectors. Sometimes you have another third party design, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? So the process is to create this command center, as I mentioned before, that centralizes communication, centralizes data, centralizes workflow, and allows for accountability across the functions that occur when you're building a property. Easy enough. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Easy enough. Okay, so the the obvious question is, how do you get into this? Because did you start on the tech side, or you 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 start on the developer side, or somewhere totally different? So yeah, love love that question because I love uh, our founder story, which brings me to how we got to you know creating JetBuild itself. Uh, so my co-founder and I know each other initially as enemies, as I like to call. We played high school sports against one another. Uh, fast what forward a bunch of years, <laughs> nice. uh, mainly, mainly soccer, mainly soccer. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fast forward a bunch of years. We both end up uh, in the same enlistment in the Israeli military at airborne. So paratroopers fast forward again, a bunch of years. We both end up in New York city working for real estate developers, different companies, but similar roles. Wow. Uh, so in, yeah, funny how we just continue to cross paths throughout. You guys life. at a young age, someone said, keep your friends close, your enemies closer. And you took that literally. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from that experience, you know, between the two of us, we have about 15 years in a billion in construction managed where we built everything from high rise, mixed use, commercial, residential, hotel, homeless shelter, parking lot, warehouse, et cetera. So really the gamut of, of building. Uh, and in that process, you know, we were the client, right? We were the person who was trying to be more efficient in management of this multi company mm -hmm. team process of creating a building from paper. Uh, so in that experience, uh, through those through those years, you know, we tried to onboard products that do exist in the market. Uh, we, we had a lot of these kind of friction points, as I like to call it, that, you know, we hear from clients today have these same types of friction points, mainly being a very high price point from these alternative mm -hmm. products. Uh, and then the second 
uh, or second or third, depending, you know, whatever your, your take on it is. Uh, these are legacy models, as I call it. So these tech stacks were built a long time ago. Uh, so the user experience uh, UI UX is kind of difficult to manage. And then the third kind of, you know, general friction point that I like to point out is uh, they typically require financial information to then price their product. So because of these three general reasons, neither of us were able to onboard a solution for ourselves mm. to use. Uh, and, you know, when I said we're enabled, you know, we were rejected by the, the companies we're working for. So we decided that we needed a solution, right, in order to be efficient in what we were doing. Uh, so we said, you know, what, let's make a product, let's make a solution for ourselves, right? So Joseph literally, my co-founder, literally coded Jet himself, um, went through wow. stages. Yeah, yeah. Went through uh, some stages of beta that we onboarded some design clients, as we call it. So from our network of builders, we had some clients use Jet to help us, you know, on this kind of like third party perspective, give us feedback of what they're doing. Um, fast forward a bunch of years, we raised a pre-seed round uh, with a uh, ben, uh, sorry, with a real estate technology focused uh, VC called Shadow Ventures. Uh, and today we are mm -hmm. fully operational, um, uh, kind of growing the brand, uh, growing client client base, uh, and you know, excited to be here. Yeah, very cool. I mean, I, I do love you take it all the way back to, I mean, uh, I wish that I did business with some of my high school uh, friends. I don't know that I could bring myself to, I went, I went to a school called in Pottstown and O.J. Roberts right across the river. And then you had Potts Grove and they all had the nice houses and I, I just could never bring myself to doing business with them. So good on you for mm -hmm. uh, putting that aside. But um, I appreciate the story coming from the developer side because, you know, it's one of the challenges in prop tech is that, you know, I often see the, the chatter from those who are, you know, leading traditional SaaS or uh, people are just in, you know, tech business in general. And then they go to buy a house or they go to get into investing and they're like, why is everything so archaic? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, there are sometimes there's some reasons. And, and and some of the chatter I've seen has, has basically been along the, the lines of like, there's just too much legacy thinking and systems in especially construction tech to, to gain adoption of any new way or digital transformation. How do you respond totally. to that sort of statement? Totally. So uh, I like to create this kind of separation, as I call it, between, you know, how we consider AI or, or kind of uh, involved technology that requires a lot of learning, uh, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of kind of proof of concept, et cetera. So that's one kind of, uh, I don't know, category of technology. And now I'll separate that from what JET is. So what JET mm -hmm. is doing is it's this essential management tool. So all of the functions that are already occurring on a construction site uh, Jet replaces with um, essentially organized structure. And what that means is, you know, whether it's a submittal workflow, whether it's a, a schedule, whether it's a budget and payment application, all of these functions are happening via Excel sheets, via PDFs, via email, email chains, via multitudes mm -hmm. of file sharing systems like Dropbox and SharePoint, et cetera. So this is creating this fractured environment that is trying to be passed through multi-companies in this process that have strict deadlines in order to uh, proceed with your project's process, right? So Jet comes in and it gives everybody a structure to work from with workflows, right? So accountability, it gives you deadlines that you could track very easily. It allows you to onboard all of the internal and external teams. Mm -hmm. So it really just simplifies what is already happening. 
Yeah, very cool. And yeah, thank, thanks for, for talking through that. Let's kind of jump in a little bit. Um, when when you're describing some of the quantifiable benefits that your customers or even your prospects could potentially see, what are some of those quantifiable uh, benefits, you know, and how do you break that down to, to demonstrate that? Because, you know, you know, set the stage here, totally. right? Look, if I've been doing business for 20, 30 years, okay, I've been building multifamily and industrial, whatever. And then you come along and say, hey, this is going to make your business better. And I'm looking at you like, Adam, I've got a successful company. We've got hundreds of employees. We've got just as many trucks, you know, and what are you going to change for my business suddenly? Totally. Um, So this is certainly uh, an area of difficulty in industry. And I'll say that it's also likely a big reason why uh, real estate in general as a whole, uh, you know, tends to be this laggard quote unquote of technology, mm-hmm. technology adoption. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, it, it don't, don't fix what's, what isn't broken or however that, you know, saying goes, I might've just bought it. If it ain't fixed or if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, so there's another, of, there's another two rules in there, you know, right. If it moves and it shouldn't. Right. Duct tape. And if it doesn't yeah, move yeah. and it should, but it should. WD forty. Those are the other nice, two rules nice. that you need to know for all fixing anything. So <laughs> nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, leverage both of those or all three of those in my in my next pitch. <laughs> we'll see how that how that helps me. <laughs> um, so so yeah, yeah so you're, like you're getting you're getting the pushback though. Like hey, it's not broken. We don't really want right. to muddy the water here. Like how are you overcoming that? And then what are the what are the quantifiable ways that you're saying hey, this is going to change your business? Totally. So so one kind of um, study that I like to bring up. Uh, you have World Economic Forum and you have Boston Consulting Group, uh, who did a collaborative study on construction industry as a whole, whole worldwide. And there's tons and tons of research and data that reflects kind of the waste that occurs in construction and development. Um, mm-hmm. But this one in particular, I'll say uh, a 1% rise in construction productivity worldwide would create a billion dollars in savings annually. So that's one element. And then you look at a McKinsey and Company uh, report and study uh, on mm-hmm. construction, where they say an on-site um, cloud-based, sorry, a cloud-based command center will create mm-hmm. uh, an opportunity for 50% on-site construction productivity. Right. So here you're saying use a uh, cloud-based uh, command center like JetBuild, for example, you'll mm-hmm. experience up to a 50% on-site productivity across your uh, across your project, across, you know, your, your, your teams, a 1% will save hundred billion dollars annually. So what does 5%, what does 2% mean for your company in terms of potential savings? Got it. And so, and that productivity, that's not just back office. We're saying because the scheduling would be better, materials would be on time or they they're closer to just in time delivery, if you will, like keeping, things moving to where it's not just like, you know, you've got laws of like three or four days without productivity on site. Right. So there's actually so many kind of facets to uh, where, where you should or you can expect rather from, you know, actual use cases, productivity increase, whether that's uh, scheduling, whether that's field to office communication, uh, whether that's ability to manage budgets, whether that's your point, managerial capacity, right? Efficiency. Mm-hmm. So you're increasing your managerial capacity. Um, so like the, the statements that I said between the, you know, $100 billion savings annually from a 1% uh, 
uh, rise in productivity against your expectation of a 50% increase in productivity with the command center, with the software. Um, that's just like a broad sweeping example. You could dig mm -hmm. into every one of these elements like you brought up, right? Whether it's uh, scheduling improvement, budget management improvement, communication improvement, safety improvement, right? You mm -hmm. could look at all of these, which all have significant uh, percentage increase in terms of uh, productivity uh, improvements or safety improvements or management improvements uh, based on both use cases. So actual users who are using products in the industry, not even, you know, not even specific to just a product, uh, as well as a research from, you know, people like McKinsey, EY, Deloitte, uh, Boston Consulting Group, et cetera. Got it. And so let's talk a little bit about the, the actual product itself, right? Sure. So there's a lot of information coming in and coming out. Is everything requiring someone in the back office to be inputting everything? Or do you have the ability to pull data from multiple sources into the, the platform? And if so, like what are some of the integrations that are most widely used? Definitely. So uh, the way that it would be most effective uh, or you would you know gain the most value out of, out of a product like Jet uh, is if you onboard all of the teams that are involved. So that's everyone from you know your, your GC all the way through to each trade, right? Each subcontractor, that's all of your design teams, all of the architects, engineers, um, that could be your lender even, uh, it could be uh, the, the, the design teams, et cetera. So really everybody that's involved in the project has a mm -hmm. place, has a, has a use case to be leveraging the jet that is relevant to their position. Uh, so a few kind of ways to answer that. One is, you know, all of these people that are already doing these processes in a silo manner and then sending their siloed information to, you know, whoever's managing their department or it's the GC or it's the owner, right? So that everyone in their own silo is sending information to a funneled central source that someone has mm -hmm. to kind of disperse as it relates to data and then funnel back to everyone in their own siloed sources versus a single source of truth, as I like to call it, which i.e. JET, right? Where everyone could be inputting their data live and then that pools into a live kind of central or master, whether it's a budget, whether it's a schedule, whether it's a you know, mm -hmm. submittal process, et cetera. What's it been like getting that adoption from, you know, a uh, user outside of the actual customer, right? So the customer themselves, you know, let's say it's more construction goes in, right, we're, we're using JetBuilt. We're going to do this the smart way moving forward. Uh, I want to get my lender team on board. What's that adoption been like? Is it kind of, uh, hey, we don't know what this is, or is it a little bit more exciting in that, you know, ideally it should increase transparency and, and ease of information exchange? Oh, totally. So um, certainly it, it uh, allows for more accountable transparency across the project. Even if you're mm -hmm. only using it as the developer, you're accepting all information and then, you know, inputting it into JET that still allows you for a cleaner dashboard as opposed to, for example, you know, trying to uh, create these functions on Excel, which, you know, is really not made for this scenario. Uh, so that's one, you know, kind of one answer. Then the other answer, the other side of this is in terms of adoption, um, I think it's been a, it's been a really interesting kind of journey, as I like to call it, uh, speaking to all sorts of uh, people, all sorts of companies, um, and recognizing the, the uh, magnitude of, of, fr of fracture that exists in the environment of uh, real estate development and construction. What I mean by that is you could have a builder who lives in the same town, who's building a similar property on the same block, 
but does everything differently. Uh, mm -hmm. So what that means is, you know, it, it, it comes down to uh, understanding what's relevant for them or what's useful for them, and then showing them how Jet could support, you know, their their functions. Because end of the day, uh, it's you know this like I mentioned before, an essential tool, right? So everybody has a use case for it. It's just a matter of reflecting the proper tools for them to understand how they can leverage it best. At a you know a standard, I don't want to say standard. At like another type of like larger service-based company or um, even potentially real estate companies. Maybe they, some of them, you know, might use Salesforce for their CRM mm -hmm. and they've got HubSpot for marketing automation and, you know, Paylocity for their payroll or something along those lines, right? They've got all these different systems. And th those roles are pretty well-defined, right? You might have a Salesforce admin, you've got a head of marketing automation, you've got, you know, your HR. In this case, what... Who, who's the user that is managing this command center to make sure that, hey, we're getting the right information in and out of here. You know, definitely everything's on track or, you know, reports are being built and distributed as they should be. What What is that role and how has that affected, you know, your thinking behind what you're building so that, you know, that person is able to be successful using JetBuild? Totally. Um, so I think that, you know, there's no single right answer because it depends on, you know, what type of company you are for to then, mm -hmm. you know, be leveraging mm -hmm. that way for you. Similar to these other tools that, you know, you brought up, right? It's it's all uh, kind of a, a use case or a level, right? A business level um, consideration. So for example, for a general contractor, let's say, um, mm -hmm. they should have someone, uh, you know, from a day-to-day -day operations level where they're submitting daily reports up to a managerial level where they're checking uh, schedule and coordination across teams up to the general contractor level where they're, uh, you know, ensuring that their payment apps and their lien waivers and their reporting is making sense for them to be delivering, you know, on a timely and cost-effective way to their client who, you know, who's having them build their property for them. Now, for example, on a developer's perspective, a developer would have the license. And if they're a hands-on developer, for example, then they have a management team, right? Who's understanding day-to-day -day process of the construction site. Uh, so that person is communicating with the contracting teams as well as the design teams uh, for, let's say, the, the literal owner of the property. That person now understands that, one, there's transparency and accountability going on in, his, in that person's project, right? Mm -hmm. They know where their money is, is being used or not used. Um, they have an understanding that they're going to own that data where they could then leverage for asset management or for sale of property, right? To sell a property with a clean data package, you know, must hold mm -hmm. value because when you manage that property, uh, you know, you'll, you'll always have a scenario where you need to reference plans, you need to reference uh, insurance, whatever it may be. Um, mm. Then there's other elements, like for example, an owner's representative firm, right? So that's like the third parties coming in to manage the process of uh, construction. So it's this kind of middleman manager who's the segue between the contracting team, the design team, and the own, and ownership, right? So for that person, it's kind of similar to the uh, GC type role where now they have a more efficient and effective way to manage what's happening, to manage progress, mm -hmm. manage mm -hmm. issues, and then also reflect uh, clean reporting to their client, to the owner. Uh, so different use cases, but each one has its own power, has its own value to it. Got it. And and, and last bit on product before we kind of um, you know shift a little bit. I'm curious. You know, the, the, there's been a fair amount of discussion and chatter amongst, um, well, in, in many different circles of the importance of, you know, 
tech companies focusing on ESG and, you know, mm-hmm. how that's going to be shaping the future of construction. And even, you know, when we think about like retrofitting a lot of what's already built and the opportunity for improvement there, where does that lie in your focus or how does that, you know, that part of the discussion around construction and development, how's that impacting your product roadmap? Oh, totally. Um, so I'm going to take like a half step back and then a step forward because I now realize I didn't answer the integrations question. Um, okay. So yeah, go for it. Awesome. So to make like one clarification, I'll call it is we don't transact payment. So an integration, for example, that uh, is popular is whatever accounting system a company is using. So if it's a QuickBooks and SAP, whatever, so then they could mm-hmm. integrate with their accounting, right? So that is a, a popular uh, integration. In addition to that, it could be, for example, like an Autodesk or like a Bluebeam where people are leveraging kind of CAD drawings, right? Like, so architectural design drawings uh, in addition oh, wow. to our kind of file management process. Uh, so in terms of integration, those are the, the general ones. Now to answer the ESG question, um, there's kind of twofold. So again, it's to re- recognize or remember that, you know, JetBuild, what we're doing here is creating this essential baseline for you to mm-hmm. consolidate right communication, consolidate information, consolidate files, et cetera. From that point, you know, it should be easier to then plug in an ESG specific platform. There's a bunch of them out there, uh, you know, tech softwares. You could then integrate with them accordingly. And there's your mm-hmm. kind of full cycle of, you know, here's your, your baseline management tool at Jet. And you want to plug in uh, your, your ESG product as you would plug in QuickBooks, for example, as you would plug in some, you know, AI safety product or whatever it is that you want. Yeah. Very cool. I want to move on here. Uh, this might, I, I don't know if this is a dumb question. Jet.build is what you went for the domain. I haven't seen many Correct. builds. Why did you go with the dot build? Is there like a, just as an immediate set yourselves apart or that was what was available for, I imagine jet.com is pretty expensive. So right. uh, yeah, walk me through that. Like, was there any thought to that or just kind of seemed like a good idea at the time? So first of all, definitely not a dumb question. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I got to give credit to my co-founder, Joseph, for just being the mastermind behind that that name, right? Re- realizing that we could do a dot build. Uh, and then I'll say the dot build, you know, for obvious reasons of providing, a, you know, a, a solution for builders, right? Of all types. Yep. Yeah. I, obviously, like, you know, I mean, jet doc, if you were jet.com, it might le- be tough to communicate what you are, you know, right. because it doesn't have the word build in it. And uh, I think the uh, general consumer base and even in the B2B world, you know, the importance of .com is still high, but I don't think it's uh, make or break anymore. You know, people have been opened up right. and realized that, hey, we can we can have other dots uh, in Agreed. here. There's, there's still enough room. Um, I want to hear more about the, the sales cycle. So, you know, as sure. you're talking here and you're sharing more and a little bit of my diligence, like it seems like, you know, JetBuild will be the kind of thing that helps usher in digital transformation within a company, whether new or old, you know, it's really going to be putting a new focus in, okay, how do we streamline? How do we digitize? How do we, you know, introduce some automation from a marketing and sales perspective? Is that demand already there and existing and looking for solutions? Or are you having to drum up the demand, do a little bit of education, and then work on closing the sale? Yeah, great, great question. Um, it's similar to how I mentioned uh, you know, a few minutes back uh, as it relates to the fractured environment that exists in real estate as a whole. Uh, and mm-hmm. I bring that up again because 
it, again, it's so interesting to see how uh, you have companies that are already using a tool. You have the companies that uh, are aware of tools, and then you have companies that you know have, have no awareness of, of when I say tools of software like Jet, right? Uh, so it's mm-hmm. it's been interesting experience seeing this kind of range of awareness or and use case and adoption. Um, I think that uh, what's what has been established. Uh, and this goes back to my, you know, our fa- founding story, right? Where we were not able to adopt a product because of those friction points, mainly, you know, high price point, right? Uh, so I think people have kind of established this presumption that uh, a solution that comes their way is going to be very, you know, high in terms of a price point. They're going to need to submit their financial information. They just don't want to deal with that, right? It's a headache that mm-hmm. in addition to adopting a product into your organization, just a lot of headaches. So um, I think, one is I, I like to always, you know, upfront make it clear that you know we're going to come in and give a cost-effective price uh, that scales to the scale of your organization. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two, it's uh, to recognize the simplicity that is a new tech stack build, right? So uh, we built our product uh, on a new tech stack recently, right? So that allows for a simple, uh, yet robust, but simple uh, user experience, user interface for people to use. So. Uh, the dynamic of price point user and user experience on the, on Jet, as an example, uh, eases that kind of initial friction of, you know, I don't know what this is or I don't want to be spending a lot. And then allows mm-hmm. people to open up into understanding how this simplifies their life. It simplifies what they're already doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean obviously can be a very tough objection to to handle of hey look we know how to do this we've been doing it for a long time but uh if you can demonstrate and show um and and, you know and you 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 know we we talked a little bit about some of the stats here on you know transformation and, and productivity and you know overall i think successful transformations you know it's something like 14 15 percent increase of productivity gains and i think that's across all industries do you see that reflected as well in in construction and specifically with jet customers or is there a slight variance there oh absolutely i mean it kind of depends on where you are but you can see uh even higher percentages and the reason that is is because dissimilar to other industries or other functions where you know it, it is typical where they'll be um internal to you know an organization or internal to a department uh, in construction, right, and what Jet is trying to address here uh, is mm-hmm. multi-company, logistics-heavy, safety, you know, is, is, a, is a big concern, ESG, as you pointed out. So there's so many factors that go into it that if you just allow for this baseline uh, tool, this baseline management software, again, like Jet, for example, uh, it, it really kind of creates this um, really high and fast curve toward productivity uh, improvements increase. Now we talk a little bit about who the actual user is of the command center and who might manage it. And it really depends on organization of organization. Right. But I'm curious, who's the person you got to get to that makes the decision to buy and what are you doing sure. to reach that person? Sure. Sure. Um, so a bunch of, a bunch of different ways, right. Uh, as anyone would, would have a bunch of different ways here. Uh, so one is of course network, right. So uh, existing clients referring to new clients uh, just network of my own and, and my co-founder Joseph from being, you know, working in the industry from coming from the industry. Uh, so that's that baseline kind of uh, network effect. Um, our investors are, are very helpful in terms of uh, referring, you know, people in their network our way. Um, 
beyond that, uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, something that we actually started ramping up relatively uh, recently is a lot of kind of awareness of, uh, you know, how a product like Jeff could support, uh, you know, an end user's uh, organization. Uh, and an example of that is definitely this podcast right now, right? <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I don't know how many uh, construction company owners are listening to the show, but I think that, I mean, even just getting it out in uh, across the, the, the broader prop tech scene totally. uh, certainly can help with that. You know, I do every totally. once in a while hear from, uh, we, we, we had a, a guest, a CEO of Flat, uh, his name's Brent, uh, a few weeks back, and he said a, a week after uh, being on the show, he had uh, someone reach out, uh, an M I think it was an MBA student, reach out who was looking for their secure their internship and really wanted to join mm -hmm. up with them and it actually worked out really well like those are some things i i you know does happen um i do not say no to oh. uh thank you gifts after that so just putting that out there and for the <laughs> open <laughs> totally i'm just kidding I it's always a, it's always a pleasure <laughs> no i appreciate you going into that so um now one thing that's always interested me is um you know the history of construction um across the United States and how different cities became built is interesting. And I, and I don't think it's just a thing of the past. I think it's still, you know, consistent, right? Why does LA mm -hmm. look so spread out and low lying and Chicago is so concentrated and tall, right? It has a little bit to do with the history of uh, unions and adoption of steel. And I can't help but think that there's some level of that that continues today, but on the tech side, do you see a difference of adoption uh, when it comes to tech platforms or digital transformation from city to city, or is it kind of, you know, the same across the board? Uh, that's a, first of all, awesome thought in terms of how cities are built and what their, you know, general design is. Uh, that's a really, a really cool uh, kind of thing to, I don't know, think on or understand. Uh, I'm going to definitely look that up after, after we get off this call. Um, <laughs> moving beyond that in terms of technology and its adoption across, uh, across the country, right? Um, something that's been really interesting uh, in, in my experience, at least in my perspective, is larger companies have placed significant focus on adopting technologies to support their businesses. So larger mm -hmm. developers, larger general contractors, large owner representative firms. Uh, and when I say, uh, you know, significant, you know, interests or significant uh, resources, they'll literally create dedicated arms, right? Like innovation arms or uh, you know, mm. uh, technology arms, however they call it, right, one way or the other. Um, so I'm bringing that up because these companies are certainly, you know, nationwide. Uh, so that would answer in terms of, you know, adoption is occurring nationwide, being driven, I think, by these large organizations who are dedicating a lot of resources toward adoption, toward awareness, toward investing, etc. Um, on a, uh, I guess, not, you know, small to medium sized business kind of range or scale, um, I, I don't think I've seen it in a way that would be skewed. And what I mean by that is, you know, if people are building more in, you know, Texas, Florida, New York, and LA, then, you know, obviously there'll, there'll be more opportunity there for, you know, technology adoption, right? For, for property tech adoption. Um, so I don't know what kind of, if you, if you create the, um, uh, you know, calculation so that it's even in terms of amount of building and adoption, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but the large, the large company, uh, you know, focus mm. uh, in terms of uh, technologies—that's certainly something to note. 
And what about what uh, what we'll say like customer type, right? Is it just pure like uh, those that are on the developers, maybe those who specialize in retrofitting, maybe those who kind of dabble across the board? Are you seeing adoption specifically of JetBuild from any one particular customer type more than others? No, we're, we're pretty evenly spread out right now in terms of uh, um, type of business and type of build or redevelopment, right? Like, so it's, it's pretty uh, broad. And I would make a comparison with like a Slack, for example, or Salesforce, for example, right? Mm. Uh, I mean, the use case exists. It doesn't matter what kind of type of organization. If you have the need for communicating, i.e. Slack. If you have the need for sales, i.e. Salesforce, uh, you, you'll, need a, you'll need a tool to you know, properly manage your, your business. Got it. Yeah, very cool. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, before we get into the bottom of the show, which is my favorite section of the show, <laughs> I love to uh, talk through ideas and experiments that, mm-hmm. hey, we you had a theory, you had a hypothesis, you put it to the test and you found out you were wrong. Can you share about uh, at least one of those? Oh, wow. Putting me on the spot there with that one. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me think. Uh, you can say we've been right about everything, but most startups, no, you know, no. it's pretty common, right? You have an idea and it turns out that's, you know, just not true or maybe doesn't work the way you thought it might work. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I think what, what ends up happening in terms of the way we, we function and, and this direction of question, right, as, as we create product roadmap, as we implement, et cetera, um, First and foremost, the basis of the product was built while we were in the industry, right? So we were literally building it as we were mm-hmm. using it. Um, so I think that automatically or already creates a different dynamic from the typical scenario. Um, mm. Anyways, with, with that said, um, you know we've definitely gone down rabbit holes of uh, pushing future updates that we ended up realizing, oh wait, you know that that probably wasn't worth the amount of time we spent on it. Uh, let's let's shift and focus. With that said, the cycle that we go through is based on feedback from existing clients and based on feedback from prospective clients, like in conversations as we're going through product demos. If we're missing a product or if we don't have a feature that is needed or if we're doing something that's weird, you know, or it was from our perspective and it was just wrong or or not typical to industry. Uh, I mean, we note everything, we review everything that that relates to feedback and we implement uh really really quickly as we see uh a necessity for it or as we have you know prioritized clients requesting it um so it's you know i kind of i kind of i know i didn't fully answer the question but the (laughs) the reality is is that we're 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 very flexible as it relates to you know if we see we're doing something that's not really relevant or not you know totally correct or, or good for our end user it's easy for us to shift and that has to do with you know, understanding both the operational use case as well as the technical implementation. And then, you know, being a new tech stack. So, uh, a, you know, relatively recent build allows us all these dynamics of agility or adaptability. So we don't get stuck, I'll call it. At least that hasn't happened so far. For those of you uh, listening, being in the uh, interviewer's seat sometimes is difficult because I do not give the the questions in advance (laughs) (laughs) you know sometimes you know hey you just might not know that that one was coming uh and so it's a little bit tougher when you're in the seat than when you're just listening here so but adam i appreciate you going into that well with that i'm going to go ahead and shift us in to a segment i like to call for the future 
for the future is the segment where I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Adam, are you ready to play? Let's do it. I'm very ready. All right. Question number one, nice and easy. What does JetBuild look like one year from now? One year from now, it'll be a product that has amassed sufficient data to create predictive analytics. Sweet. Number two, what year is it when 90% of construction projects are managed using digital tools with some amounts of automation? You know, right when you started that question, uh, given that it's, you know, January, I almost forgot what year it is. Uh, so now that the, the year changed. 2023 <laughs> so, already. Yeah, so I, so I did have a moment of freeze there. I mean, the uh, Jetsons were so far wrong. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, I, we, I've actually made a joke about that uh, needing to be uh, our theme song, um, the Jetsons. But anyway, there it so, is. To, answer, there, to answer your question, um, I think it's... Uh, well, I, I would I would say twenty thirty at the latest. At the latest. At the latest. Follow up to that. Why? Um, adoption, first of all, has already occurred. Um, so now it's a matter of uh, rolling out. Uh, I'll say it's a matter of establishing the baseline, uh, and then mm-hmm. increasing the more intelligent, uh, you know, AI types to the baseline. Right. So Jet is what I'm calling that baseline model. Uh, so the mm-hmm. more adoption that occurs uh, on, the, on the essential need, the more that it'll push these AI type technologies forward. Uh, and now going back a, a step to when I was mentioning these larger companies dedicating, you know, divisions for innovation and technology, right? This was already, ha- this already happened, right? It's, it's already being pushed forward. Uh, if you look at uh, venture that has been raised for uh, real estate technologies, uh, pretty, pretty wild numbers. I mean, just look at what Fifth Wall is doing. Right, so all of this stuff is already happening. Use Just under a billion exist. bucks is what they put aside for prop tech exactly. exclusively, but mostly in the climate exactly. side, of course. Yes, but sure, yeah, yeah, sure. That's a part of it. That's a part of it. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that's why. I mean, it, it's already happening. It's just a matter of kind of uh, in- increasing the existing. Um, uh, um, well, I'm dropping the word I want to use. Um, whatever, increasing the existing use case. <laughs> yeah, understood. Momentum. Momentum is the there word. There it is. Number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? In the existing industry. I, it's open-ended, so you can interpret it as yeah. you wish. Um, so I, um, wow, that I wish would go away. Okay. Uh, probably, at least for right now, right? I don't, I don't even think this like indefinitely, uh, but I, I, get, I get these uh, cold emails a lot about uh, integrating uh, digital payments for jet um, in in this in the space that we're in, um, I think that's uh, a tough sell for recognizing, you know, the the pool of of where payments are going and and how people want to accept or not accept payments. I could you know I could be totally wrong here, um, but that that's something that that typically frustrates me. Uh, I think that you know digital digital currency is great. Um, I don't know that it necessarily has a, a space in. Oh, you're you're so you're not talking like digital payments as in like accepting money online. You're talking about like crypto or some sort of like coin or token type payment. Yeah, basically the the uh, scenario. Yeah, exactly the scenario of gotcha. um, uh, like you know paying out people uh, in digital currencies uh, on the construction site. Um, so I've seen that a I few see. times. 
you know, people, maybe people do like it. That could be totally off, but that, that's just something that comes to mind. You're not seeing a lot a high demand from New York City developers uh, that are accepting Sheeb coin. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to get people to adopt the baseline and and uh, before getting there, you know. <laughs> Man, if we, if I if we start seeing the Doge coin as a, a a primary method of payment man right. we're all gonna feel like dummies that we just that <laughs> that, that coin took off and is what it is but yeah, all right I'll get, I'll get that that uh i'll get that response replayed to me for for there we go <laughs> number four of four of the future what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances um, I think what dramatically changes is uh, the magnitude of mistakes that occur or in the magnitude of waste that occur. Uh, and I say that because the more that uh, management adoption occurs, management solution adoptions, right? Like Jet, the more that you have, for example, like concrete technologies, waste management technologies, ESG technologies, the more that these things get implemented, the more uh, reduction in, in waste of you know material cost and time uh, that will occur. So I think that it's on a very positive uh, trend. Very cool. We're going to jump into the final three questions. Adam, these are for our listeners to get to know you just a little bit better. First one, what are you reading? Awesome. Um, the last, the last book I, I, I'm saying the last book I literally just you know finished it is uh, the Power of Now. Uh, I think it's a, a really interesting Power of Now. Yeah, I've really not heard book. that one. Look it up. Look it up. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, part of the whole purpose of this podcast, selfishly, is I get everyone's book recommendations, and then I oh, just, awesome. You know, I, I probably buy ninety percent of them. So oh, amazing! Yeah. All right, number two. Who are you learning from? Um, I want to say industry professionals, and what I mean by that is I continue to um, try and connect with as many people, uh, many industry leaders on on LinkedIn as I can every week. Um, you know, obviously that's very relevant for me right now. Uh, so that that's kind of uh, my angle in terms of learning today, uh, is to see how people are managing projects how how people are adapting or adopting sorry mm -hmm. adopting technologies um and how can i learn from that to then better you know for better market the jet name better inform people of what jet's doing uh, so i'm very you know very uh jet business focused in terms of learning right now very cool and uh do we do we first meet on linkedin or is it yeah we did, did uh... we did had to have been from LinkedIn. I'm, it was, yeah. I'm spacing on exactly, but yeah. Point. point See, there you case. go. Yeah. So, so, so those of you who are listening, you know, not that hard to find me. I will say this: my, my LinkedIn inbox is out of control. Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah, the guy, I just cannot keep up with the um, amount of messages and the persistence of. I mean, there's so many programs that are just like they continue sending messages, it just keeps right. going, right. and it buries things. So. Disclaimers: If you don't hear from me on LinkedIn, it's nothing personal. Um, it's probably just the worst right. platform to reach me. Best platform, and I'm going to give my own self a little plug here, is just at me on Twitter, um, and and just tell me, hey, I've got something for you. Like, cool, you got my attention. That's good. So, anyway, awesome. last one here, awesome. uh, Adam. What inspires you? Um, 
I gotta say, uh, what inspires me is, uh, is wellness. Um, I, I take uh, a lot of time cool. of, of, of every day to uh, ensure that I've kind of gone through my, my own, you know, how, how I define for myself, my own cycles of wellness, uh, which I think allows me to uh, be very focused in, in work, uh, in the work environment, which is very important, you know, as an early stage company um, to, to have that focus and that drive uh, to be successful uh, as a company. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Adam, this has been a lot of fun and thank you so much for going into detail and sharing about what JetBuild is, what you guys are creating, what you're working to solve towards. Um, I think by no means uh, a small uh, task in front of you, uh, but it does mean a big opportunity. Now, before we go and close out, for those who want to get in touch with you and or learn more about JetBuild, where do they go and how do they do that? LinkedIn's a great way, uh, Adam Stark. Uh, if not LinkedIn, then right to our website, jet.build. Uh, that is literally the URL. <laughs> so dot .build is the is in replacement of .com. So mm -hmm. either LinkedIn uh, or jet.build. Uh, that would be that'd be the best way for sure. Please. There do. it is. Appreciate it. Um, probably see you around somewhere uh, along the way here. If not on LinkedIn, we'll catch you then. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nate. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to TechNest. The PropTech Podcast. Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.